How's it going, guys? We talk sports. I'm your host, Brett Pinelli, with Ryan Horst and Josh Wine. Today, you know, the NFL season's done. We're in the NBA All-Star break. Not a ton of news going on, but we still got a few topics that we can talk about going into the NFL offseason, going into the MLB season, um, and obviously um, college basketball and things of that like that going around. But first, um, a question that we um, will discuss is, should the Bears trade Justin Fields because they have the first overall pick and they could take any quarterback. Um, so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Should the Bears trade Fields or should they go with a uh, – or just stick with Fields try to build around them? Like, what do you think? Before um, I get into my answer for this one, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Griffin. He's uh, still avoiding me after the Super Bowl loss for the third week in a row. And he but said want, he would do this episode. I know. He's still – I just want everyone to know that the, the first episode that he comes back – whether that be next week, whether that be in two weeks, whenever that is, I'm still going to give him shit about the Super Bowl. So that's still coming up. But, Sounds um, good. Sounds good. Now into the, the question that you asked. I think it would be absolutely idiotic for the Bears to trade Justin Fields for once. Like, they finally have a quarterback. Yeah. showing flashes that he could be capable of leading their franchise. I guess the last guy you could say they had that did that was – Jay Cutler, but he was really just a turnover yeah. machine. His I mean, ceiling was average. His ceiling was average. He was a solid quarterback for a couple of years, but nothing special. Fields has shown flashes that he could become special, and I just don't know why you would trade him and just take a pick at a guy that hasn't shown anything yet. It kind of just seems like a high-risk, yes, it's a high-risk, high-reward move, but you already have that you high reward potential. You already have a high reward quarterback, so why are you going to take that risk? It just doesn't make any sense. I completely agree on that. Like we've seen, um, like a big example is the Browns. They would have a quarterback, use him for a year, maybe two, and then just draft a new one, and they would never try to build around that guy. Baker Mayfield sort of broke that trend after a bit. Yeah, the thing um, with the Browns, like none of their quarterbacks ever showed the flashes that Fields has shown. Yeah, like, but like they didn't even attempt to build around those guys. They would just waste um, high draft picks on quarterbacks. Um, and like you said, those quarterbacks didn't really show flashes like Fields has. And I just feel like it would just be very a very dumb move for the Bears to trade Fields. Yes, there's some talented quarterbacks, which some of them I'm not even really high on, um, which we'll discuss probably next week. I think we're going to go into a ranking of the quarterbacks and some of the positions in college. But um I just don't see why you would take that risk. Um, it's shown in the past few years that building or putting all your trust into a quarterback, even if he's not hasn't even really showed much, and just building around him is the smarter move. Jalen Hurts showed some flashes, but I never thought he'd be this good. Um, and a big reason why he was this good is we took the risk and built around him, and we were patient with him. And, and there's been even other examples of other quarterbacks. Um, you know, the Bills, they could have easily – you know, Josh Allen's very talented, but they could have easily been like, oh, he turns the ball over too much, and they got rid of him. But they stuck with him and built around him, and now look at him. Like, he's just the smart move to build around fields. It's just, I just don't see why they should trade him. Yeah, I mean, but, we've seen yeah. so many examples of that over recent years. People were already writing off Trevor Lawrence coming into this year after one rookie season. Exactly. It's, it doesn't make much sense. You have to give these guys at least two or three years before you just dump them. It just doesn't make much sense to me why you're giving a guy 
two years and then dumping him. Maybe if he looked abysmal, yes, you could consider it, but he's looked good. So it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense to me why you would do that. Like, you know, obviously he has like um, a lot of the questions in terms of throwing the ball and his arm strength, things like that. Look at Hurts. He, his rookie, he was terrible throwing the ball. You know, he, can't, he would come in every few snaps and play alongside Wentz. And then, and then even his second year when he led the Eagles to the playoffs, barely, um, he did not throw the ball well. And then this last year, he's throwing the ball fan- in a, amazingly. And he, it, his arm strength improved. He was throwing the ball a lot more accurately. Give Fields a year or two. And I'm not saying he'll be as good as Hurts, the jump he made, but I can see him being a pretty damn good quarterback. So I just think you just got to put, put weapons around him, giving him, give him a number one receiver because he has no receivers right now. Give him that guy you can rely on. I can see him being great. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Um, obviously, it's not often you get the number one overall pick and have an opportunity at guys like Stroud and Young, but I, I would like to see them build around. I mean, they had one of the worst offensive lines last year. The receiving core, besides Mooney, who I think is still a very solid number two, was the worst in the league. Um, yeah. And even uh, if Fields doesn't work out, they can make a trade this year where they trade back from the one pick and get another first-round pick next year, which makes it easier to get a quarterback if they really feel that, that is a good isn't point. that guy. But, um, yeah, I think they should build around them. They have a lot of money in free agency, I believe. Uh, maybe the most in the league. I know they're top three. So, yeah, I would like to see them build around fields because of all the flashes, not, not only on the ground, but even in the air at times, that he could be yeah. an elite quarterback. Josh yeah, brings up an interesting point that I want to kind of just add on a little bit. He said... You know, if the Bears do trade back from that number one spot, they could acquire capital this year and next year. Next year, the 2024 draft, those quarterbacks are just, like, even better than this year. So, like, you have, like, Caleb Williams and shit next year and Drake May and, like, Penix. That's way – it's a deeper quarterback class, and they have, like, more proven quarterbacks next year. So, if they were to ever do that, they should take a quarterback next year instead of this year. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what the Bears do. I'm pretty sure they're not going to trade fields. But if they trade back, we'll see. It's going to be exciting to watch on draft night. Um, so now on to our next topic. Um, so after the Super Bowl win, where do you guys rank Mahomes in the all-time QB list? You know, he's having a fantastic start to, the career, to his career. Very talented, putting up amazing numbers that rival Tom Brady. Um, already two Super Bowl wins. I believe it was the second MVP, right, um, in this past season. Um, so where do you guys have him ranked in your all-time list? Yeah, thanks. My bad. Um, I was on mute there. Um, <laughs> a little period of awkward silence. But uh, I would rank him, I don't know, it's really tough to rank a guy in the middle of his career. I mean, because he just has so much more time left to prove stuff. So it feels, it feels weird ranking him too high, but it also feels yeah. respectful to put him too low because of what he's already done. Like, there's not many quarterbacks in NFL history that can say they have two Super Bowls and two MVPs. But yeah. it's just so tough because he just has so much time left in his career. Because obviously you're not going to put him ahead of, you know, Brady because Brady's longevity and his accomplishments. But it just yeah. feels wrong to put him at, like, number 10 because of the accomplishments he already has. So I can't give a definitive answer yet, I feel like. I don't know if you guys had like a set number in mind that you're thinking of, but mm-hmm. it's just so tough to put a ranking on it like that 
in a guy's like a middle of a guy's career. Yeah, that's like sort of similar to me. I do have some guys that I know for a fact that Mahomes is not ranked higher than, which would probably be Brady. Obviously, he's my um, greatest of all time player in the NFL. Uh, Joe Montana. Um, Aaron Rodgers is closer, but just his longevity as well and his greatness throughout most of his career. Um, there's a few more guys I would put on there. Dan Marino's debatable. Uh, Steve Young's debatable. Uh, I can't really give a, like a certain number, but I would definitely put him in like the eight to ten range. I would say probably around the eight range, just because it's, it's his career is so young. And another thing is his Super Bowl performances haven't really, um, like been as good as like other quarterbacks have, like that are great. Like I believe going into the Super Bowl against the Eagles, he had two touchdowns, the to four interceptions. That's not a very good ratio through the first two Super Bowls. Obviously, he played pretty damn good against the Eagles, but he hasn't really showed Super Bowl consistency performances so far. Obviously, that's probably going to improve throughout the rest of his career, but that might be the one thing holding him back. And obviously, it's because he's so young. So I'm going to go around the eight range for me. Josh, where do you rank him? Yeah, I agree. It's it's nearly impossible to kind of rank it at this point in his career. Um, I would say if he retired today, he would probably be between like 10 and like 15, I would say. Yeah. Just because on pace, he's easily on pace for a top five, but mm-hmm. it, it's just you can't assume Super Bowls just because they're so hard to get to. Yeah. Play. But it's a tough question to answer, but I would say right now, if his career ended, he'd be between like 10 and 15. Yeah, I, I um, agree with that. Like, he, if he's he like, retired now, it would be that. But like you said, he is on pace for top five, I would say, even maybe even top three. We'll, we'll see how the, the rest of his career like, goes. So, a lot of the people that make these like goat lists, like they use, they're predictive. Pretty much what that means is like, they assume that Mahomes is going to continue to put up the same stats the rest of his career that he has up to this point. Mm-hmm. And you can't really do that just because you never know what could happen to change that. Like, what if Mahomes gets the yips like Ben Simmons? Or what if he gets some weird elbow injury that lingers and his mm-hmm. play drops just a little bit, causing his stats to drop and, you know, whatnot, causing the Bengals to close the talent gap with the Chiefs and start making Super Bowls more than the Chiefs? Or, or, yeah, you, you know, never know. There's just so many variables that can come into play. I mean, this isn't Madden. This is like real life. Like, yeah. And also, like, no one really thinks about this. Like, he, Andy Reid's getting old. Andy Reid, we don't know when he's going to retire, but he's getting old. Like, he's been in the league for so long. He's an NFL coach. I, like, at some point, Mahomes is going to be playing without Andy Reid as a coach, which is pretty unique um, to most uh, modern-day dynasties. You know, Brady had Belichick for almost his entire career, but Andy Reid's on the back end of of his coaching career right now. So Mahomes is going to be playing without Reid. How is he going to play without Reid? Is he going to have that same success? We have no idea. And even if he does, are the Chiefs going to have the same success? Because team accomplishments are... Like, one thing I don't understand is that people say... A lot of people, at least the majority of people, say that wins aren't a QB stat. Yet, when they're talking about the GOAT debate, they use wins, playoff wins, and Super Bowls as the main yeah. driver. So, it's just, how are the Chiefs going to react to not having Reed? Not just Mahomes himself, but, you know, that could also have a huge impact on his end-of-career accolades. Mm-hmm. 
like and uh, and uh, for me i use off the field stuff as a um also something towards um the goat ranking like uh, the reason i have lebron um as the goat compared to like jordan not only just because of his on the field but i think he's an amazing person off the field and what he does for his communities mahomes is huge for like the entire area like he he is partial owner for most of the professional sports teams around there and he just gives back to his community so much that's a high ranking for me there like he is so influential in the sports world um in that part like for all the supporters so that's a a decent ranking for me but yeah any other thoughts about mahomes and uh where he ranks I think we can uh, move on from that one. I mean, I think I think we all reached kind of the same consensus is that it's really hard to just put a number on it right now. Yeah. So another big storyline in the NFL moving forward is obviously Aaron Rodgers. Is he going to stay in Green Bay? It seems pretty unlikely. Um, where is he going to go? Like he's obvi- he's on his like little retreat and his getaway, thinking about everything. Like is he going to retire? Like is he going to go to the Jets, the Niners, the Raiders? Um, where do you guys think um, is the best fit for Aaron Rodgers um, to kind of conclude his career most likely? If you asked that question last week, I probably would have said the Jets. But now it seems like the Jets are all in on Derek Carr. So, I yeah. mean, and Rodgers said he doesn't want to go to San Francisco. So it seems to me like he's going to be retired in Green Bay or in Las Vegas next year. And honestly, it's I would prefer to flip a coin than actually make a predictive pick because who knows with Rodgers he's so unpredictable he always does these weird things where he goes on these retreats I'm not saying that's like weird that's like just what he likes to do but like he always seems like he makes weird decisions like he just there's been retirement rumors with him for like the last three off seasons says he wants out of Green Bay but then he keeps going back to Green Bay he signs a massive extension with Green Bay and then all of a sudden he wants out of Green Bay again. It's like it doesn't make any logical sense what he does every year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what he's going to do. I, I, like I said, I believe the three options I gave are the only possible options. But we'll see. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I think no question the best, best fit for him um, is San Francisco. But he Obviously, said he doesn't want to go there. I know he doesn't want to go there, but I think it's the best fit for him. If he went there, I don't see. I, I think um, their roster is so stacked. I don't see them not winning a Super Bowl if they just get a a, a good quarterback, let alone Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's That's a certified my, playoff choker, so that is true. But look at the look at the team. But he hasn't really. I don't think he. Uh, it's debatable, but I don't know if he's had that good of a team around him. Like I know he's had amazing weapons, but has he had McCaffrey, Debo, like that caliber? I know Jordy Nelson and like all like a great team he had, but it w- it would definitely be his best his best group of weapons with McCaffrey, yeah. Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. That's really insane. Yeah, like um, I know it's probably not going to happen, but just like if he went there, he would have so much pressure taken off his back. He would have all, like he would. Just I don't be able know to- about that expectations would be so high they would but like he wouldn't have to do everything himself he could just give it to McCaffrey just dump it off to McCaffrey Kittle's gonna be almost open like open almost every single play you got a number one receiver in Debo like he's got so much around him he's got a great defense he's not gonna be playing from behind all the time like he's not gonna be depended like all the time like people aren't gonna be like Rodgers has to do everything which would be nice for an older quarterback 
Obviously, yeah. the Niners is probably not going to happen. He stated he doesn't want to go there for some reason. Um, I think he's going to retire. I think he's going to. I think he's going to call it quits seeing Brady go. I th- I have a feeling Rodgers might do the same. But if he does not retire, I think it's going to. I think he's just going to end his career in um, with the Raiders. But I just don't. I just don't really see it. But it's most likely if he stays in the league. So my money is on him retiring. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I I'm, I'm, don't really understand them because I would think the Niners is easily the best uh, position to be in with all the weapons on yeah. both offense and defense. Um, so you look at a team like the Jets, um, I think it would make the Jets a playoff team. Do I think Rodgers would go there? No. And then as Ryan said, the Jets uh, apparently are really interested in Derek Carr. Um, I think... Vegas is still a possibility uh, reunite with Devontae Adams, but I don't, I don't think that team would be a Super Bowl contender. I think a couple more pieces, they could be a solid playoff team, but I, don't, I just don't see them winning a Super Bowl. And then all the other teams that need quarterbacks, like the Titans, um, they just aren't playoff teams, and I doubt Rodgers would want to waste a, another uh, year just on a bad team. Yeah, I agree with that. So now um, even more quarterback uh, storylines going into the offseason and free agency. Derek Carr is another quarterback that we mentioned earlier with the Jets. Um, he is actually eligible to sign with the team now. So he could be the first quarterback to sign with any team this offseason. And like Ryan said, the Jets, um, you know, they seem very interested in him. They obviously need a quarterback this, this, uh, this season as Zach Wilson has definitely not panned out. Um, where do you guys think he's going to go? I think it's going to be the Jets, but what do you guys think? Yeah, it's pretty much set in stone to the Jets. The Jets are apparently so in on him that they said if he comes to New York, he's going to be an all-pro. I don't think that's reality, but you know, if the Jets believe in it, more power to the, that organization who might actually at least have a competent quarterback this year rather than just what they had last year, which was abysmal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think there's – I don't think – anyone should overlook this it just looks like Derek Carr's a lock to go to the Jets and on I'm I've always been a big Derek Carr fan um he's had a couple very good years with the the Raiders honestly I think it's a good pickup for the Jets you know they they actually were not terrible with how bad the quarterback situation was that year and they were able to win a decent amount of games and they have a solid roster. They really improved last offseason. They could improve even more, and then they have a quarterback. You never know. I honestly won't be surprised if they're a playoff team with Derek Carr, but we'll see. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I do think the Jets should be the favorites right now, but just a couple months ago, it was the Saints are the favorites. The Saint, he's going to the Saints, and now the Saints aren't even in the picture, really. So yeah. I, I still think it's an open situation. Um, but yeah, if he were to go on the Jets, I think, they're a borderline playoff team. Uh, I really like the Jets' young core. If they just get a quarterback, uh, they would be a playoff team, in my opinion. Um, two other teams I could see them going to. Washington is sort of like a transition quarterback because Washington is still kind of searching for the answer at quarterback for the future, whether it's Sam Howell, if they're drafting someone this year. So he could be a sort of transition quarterback. And then maybe the Bucks, depending what direction they want to go, if they still want to try to compete or if they want to blow it up. So those are two other teams as well with the Jets. All right. And then the last big-name quarterback this offseason is Lamar Jackson. You know, he was trying to have that prove-it deal with the uh, the Ravens. 
and they couldn't really see eye to eye on the contract. They're kind of scared to give him too many years. He wants a lot of years. So it looks like that he's going to be out of uh, out of the Ravens this offseason. So um, I haven't really looked into this too much, but what do you guys think um, the, that it's Lamar Jackson's best fit for the rest of his career, or at least for the near I future? absolutely love it if Lamar Jackson was on the Falcons next year. Um, the Falcons are in a weak division, first of all. Uh, you got the Saints, Panthers, and Bucks. I don't see any of those teams being especially good next year. Panthers are probably going to be decent, but again, not great. Um, and I think if Lamar went to the Falcons, they would have an electrifying offense like they did back in the Mike Vick days. I agree. Uh, the Falcons, they would have Lamar, uh, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I think they'll draft another receiver to just completely go all in with that offense. They have Tyler Algier, a rookie running back last year who looked really good arguably a com- comparable runner to Kenneth Walker. And they have the, a top two guard in football, believe it or not. A lot of people don't know the name, but they will next year. Chris Lindstrom, he's okay. a left guard. He was absolutely dominant this year. Top three guard in football, maybe top two. Um, they're going to have a good O-line next, like, around him. I just think it would be a great fit to see Lamar in Atlanta with that offense. I would love to see it. And he's just he's just got to leave the Ravens. They've never surrounded him with anything besides Mark Andrews. Yeah, I agree. And on top of that, you know, um, the Falcons had Mariota. They don't really need to do an entire like scheme switch up having Lamar. You know, Mariota is he's obviously That's not a wild take. Well, like Mariota back in the day, you know, he's That's because Mariota can run a little bit does not mean he's a similar player to Lamar. I'm not saying he's a similar player. I'm I'm just saying they don't need to do an entire system switch up. Like obviously they're gonna need to switch some things up, but it's not like they they're going from like Eli Manning to like Lamar. I mean, I guess it's like it's Mariota not does not run the ball nearly as much as he used to, but he can run the ball when he it's can. Like I'm not like it's not. They don't be need to do massive switch ups to the offense. Offense is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it's not going to be a hundred percent scheme switch, but it's still going to be significant. Oh, I'm I'm not saying it's not, but it's not like it's going to be like an entire offensive switch up, which well, uh, sometimes could that be. could happen. I think it still could be an entire offensive switch up. The Falcons' oh. offense looked stagnant last year. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think the Falcons. I remember watching games and they would throw the ball 15, 20 times a game, and that was it. They ran the ball a ton. So, I if you have Lamar, you would throw the ball more, but yeah. All right, we'll see. Um, so. Uh, you know, sticking with the NFL with our last uh, uh, segment of the NFL. Um, do the Chiefs or the Eagles have a brighter future moving forward um, in the NFL um, next season and beyond? So what do you guys think about that? I'm going to make this quick just because I'm so excited for these uh, topics we have coming up. But no bias. I promise this isn't me just hating on the Eagles. I think the Chiefs just have the better future because yeah. they have their quarterback situation figured out for 10 years. Um, not many, no, no other team can say that. Um, mm-hmm. The Eagles still have to pay Jalen Hurts and figure all that out. So we don't know what they're going to look like in two years. We know exactly what the Chiefs are going to look like in two years. Mahomes and, you know, whoever's around him. I think that's just, you have him locked up. You have his contract locked up. And just for that reason, they have a more stable future. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the reasoning I have for choosing them. Yeah, for me, um, I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs as well. Um, pretty easy decision. But if Jalen Hurts takes a team-friendly deal 
And we are able to bring back a lot of these free agents, which we have a lot of free agents. Um, well, ones that, you know, we should bring back. And we have a solid offseason. Eagles are contending for that spot, but the safe pick is obviously the Chiefs. Mahomes, like you said, is locked up for the next 10 years. Um, they got Andy Reid at coach. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders like with Mahomes every single year. Hurts, can he sustain that success for the year? Like We've only seen one fantastic year out of Hurts. Can he sustain that next year and the year after that and for the rest of his career? We don't have that answer yet. We've already seen a lot of that out of Mahomes. Um, yes, the Eagles have a very young roster, but safe pick for me is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, yeah, both teams have young cores. Uh, the Chiefs defense, uh, Bolton, Willie Gay, McDuffie, even their safeties, Thornhill and Reed. Uh, and the Eagles, a lot of their players on offense, Hurts, Devontae, Dickerson, AJ. Um, so I think for the priorities for the offseason for the Eagles is obviously sign Jalen. Uh, and then I think if they bring back like their core defenders like Gardner Johnson, TJ Edwards, even make, maybe Epps, they replace Bradbury in the draft. Um, then they would maybe be set better for the future because they have a core offense locked up with young prospects on rookie deals and a lot of draft capital. Uh, but the Chiefs are, still have a really good core. I think they'll bring in new receivers this year. Juju's a free agent. Hardman's a free agent. And they weren't, like, top-tier receivers to begin with. Uh, but I would lean Eagles, but both have really bright futures. All right, so now we're going to be moving on to um, the NBA news. Um, just a little bit. Nothing really too much to discuss, but I just saw something going around um, that has been being discussed is, did Mac McClung save the NBA dunk contest moving forward? Obviously, it's been trending downward. Um, stars are not uh, joining into the dunk contest. You know, they're scared to be hurt. They just feel like it's a waste of time. So do you think Mac McClung is the start of the potential re like rebirth of the dunk contest? No. Um... Just blatantly, Mac McClung did not save the dunk contest. People are just typically overreacting right after <laughs> something happens, which usually happens after every major sporting event. There's some take like that going around. Okay. I mean, the last good dunk contest before this one was 2016 with Levine and Aaron Gordon. That one is still yeah. probably a top three dunk contest of all time, by the way. Yes. Um, but Mac McClung put in a great performance, and he made the dunk contest very entertaining. But to say he saved the dunk contest is a wild overreaction. I don't mm -hmm. think stars are just going to start hopping into the dunk contest next year to try to one-up Mac McClung, who has played, like, 10 NBA games in his career. <laughs> um, I don't exactly think that's going to inspire Zion to be like, I'm doing it. I want to one-up Mac McClung. Nah. Um, so, Mac McClung made the dunk contest very entertaining. First, that's for sure. Um, Shout-out to Trey Murphy, too. He did a great job. Mm. But... I don't think it would be right to say that he saved the dunk contest. I'm going to go with a yes and a no. Um, I think he potentially is the seed that could like kind of grow the dunk contest again. Um, hey, yo, did pause. He... What? <laughs> did, he, did he himself save the dunk contest? No. I don't think so. Um, I think Zion has mentioned that he is going to do it next year. And him There's saying that... 0% chance. 0% chance. Yeah, NBA stars have, done, have said that, and then they just don't. Like, I think LeBron has said it a few times, and he's never done it. But 
maybe Zion saying that and then seeing Mac McClung doing what he did in the dunk contest and how people are still interested in it if it's great and it, and if it's people they recognize. You know, Mac McClung kind of had some past fame from high school and Georgetown, yep. but um, I I you you never know. But I I could maybe see some stars maybe doing it. But I think another big thing is I just think the rewards for the dunk contest just got to be more appealing to NBA um, all stars. Like one hundred thousand dollars to an all like all NBA player is nothing. To Mac McClung, I mean, it's something. What are you gonna what What are you gonna do? Just give them more money? NBA all stars already have all the money in the world. That is true, but like I was seeing some people like you know saying like maybe do some like unique rewards. Like I'm not sure like what you can do, but I'm sure they. There's could like think nothing of you could possibly give out that would entice an NBA All Star. I mean, like, I, I just I don't know what you could maybe like. I mean, nobody would value a dunk contest trophy. There's already one of those, and nobody cares about. Yeah, that is true. I don't know. I I, I think it's a. I, I can't give a definitive answer. I think I wouldn't be surprised if the dunk contest kind of grows in popularity for the next few years. But can it sustain that? Sustain that? I don't. Do I think he can sustain that success? No. Yeah, fair, fair assessment. Yeah, sustain the success of the dunk contest is what I mean. So, yeah, yeah, Josh, what are your I, thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. I just, it's the same problem in the NFL. The star players just don't see the purpose of a trying in the games. Like if you watch the All Star game, it was literally shoot around. Uh, one of the players, I forget who called it, just uh, a layup Jaylen. lines. Jalen Brown, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know what the solution can be to save these events, but I, I don't think McClung doing what he did, he saved it for the night. He brought a lot of attention to it and deserved the win, obviously, but I don't think he saved it long-term. I don't think it's going to entice all-star players to rejoin it and start uh, participating again. Honestly, I think what you have to do is just go down to the lower, like, tiers of the league and maybe even some G League guys and just look at who the best dunkers are and just invite them because Mac McClung probably would have never gotten invited if he didn't play for the Lakers a couple years ago because no one would have ever heard of him outside of like you know his high school fame um he could have completely flown under the radar as a dunker if he didn't happen to be you know on the Lakers for a little bit I mean the NBA really just has to put more effort into finding the guys who want to be there yeah. Um, so now for some more NBA news over the All-Star break. Jason Tatum scores 55 points, uh, which is the most ever in an All-Star game and wins MVP. Does that does it mean anything? Like, do you think the NBA players are trying in that game? Like, I'm just going to get any value of Tatum. I'm going to put on my Steelers hat and say, we do not care. <laughs> we, just, we just don't care. I mean. The all-star game was literally running down the court and shooting with no defense on you. Yeah. yeah. It was literally glorified layup line like Jalen Brown said. So like, I honestly, I saw that and I was like, I couldn't care less. Yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of bring that up. Um, you know, uh, Paul Sexauer, shout out to you. Um, I saw he was very hyped up about it as he is a Boston fan. Um, so I just wanted to see if, you know, if that meant anything to you guys. Um, but Clearly not. Unless Josh, <laughs> do you think anything of it? No, it. it no offense, but I, I could. Yeah, no I could care less. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, it was basically I, I, feel, I feel the same Jason way. Tatum, you know? if, if you ever listen to this, I'm so sorry, but we don't care. Like Tatum, without a doubt, is one of the most talented players in the NBA. But oh yeah, of course. Like, yeah. Like He's no one's gonna, like numbers. at the end of, at the at the end of his career, no one's going to be talking about. Yo, you remember when I, I Tatum Jason dropped 55 points in the All Star game? Jason Tatum lives in you and Josh's nightmares at this point. He's putting oh, up 50 2K. points yeah. for me. <laughs> uh, I'm about to have to go against him after this podcast. So, um, <laughs> so now um, on to um, some MLB, um, just, just some discussions, you know, for the upcoming season. I'm going to kind of take a step back for this one as I don't have enough knowledge for uh, baseball right now. <laughs> but who do you guys think uh, could be potentially the divisional winners um, for each division in the MLB um, next season? All right. Um, I'll go first because I'm also not extremely knowledgeable about baseball. You know, Josh is our main baseball guy. So he's going to be going last and actually saying stuff that makes some sense. I'm kind of just going to be saying what I know, which is pretty much just the basics. So I'll start off with my MVP predictions and Cy Young predictions. Okay, Uh, you can start that. Yeah, I'm going to start with that just because I don't even think I'm going to go into divisional winners just because I think I'll just make basic prediction based on all the favorites. So I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to let Josh do that. Um, But for my Cy Young, uh, and again, Josh, you know, you can comment on this if you think I'm out of line here. Because, again, I'm not the most knowledgeable. I hope to learn more this summer. But for the National League, I'm going to say Corbin Burns. I, yeah. He's one of the few pitchers that I actually have watched just, like, on YouTube and stuff. And I think he's, like, very good. And then this is kind of a weirder prediction. I do recognize that. And, again, this could be way out of line. I'm actually pretty scared to see the reaction to this. I don't want it to end up being, like, a Brett take that is just horrible. Oh, but come on. For my AL Cy Young, I'm going to go uh, Luis Castillo of the Mariners. Um, I understand that that's probably not going to happen, but, you know, part of the reasoning for that pick, and I sound like a complete just weird, like, I sound like one of those guys who shows up to the Super Bowl party and goes, yay, sports ball. But, like, the reason I'm picking Castillo is because I went to a Mariners game last year and I watched him pitch and I liked what I saw. So I know that's... That's pretty basic analysis, but, you know, take a shot in the dark, see if it, hit, see if it hits. Um, for my AL MVP, I'm going to go Aaron Judge. And for my NL MVP, I'm going to go Juan Soto. That's all I got. All right. Okay. Um, I can give my M- MVP and Cy Young for right now as well. Uh, uh, National League MVP, uh, I also have Soto. I just think with the addition of Bogarts and Tatis coming back, um, he's going to have so many RBI opportunities his first full season with the new team. Um, and I think he is the favorite, so I'll give you a dark horse as well, Trey Turner. Um, obviously, with the Phillies now, uh, he's going to also similar situation. He'll have a lot of opportunities with RBIs. Uh, I think he could lead the league in stolen bases. So he's my dark horse for MVP. Uh, in the AL, I have Jordan Alvarez. Um, of the Astros. Uh, he's their DH. Um, he's going to be up there in home runs and RBIs again, and I have him as MVP. Uh, and then Cy Young's in National League. I have Julio Urias. Um, he pitched very well last year for the Dodgers. I think he was runner-up or third for uh, Cy Young, um, but I think he'll win it this year. And then in the I, AL, I'll take... Interrupting, but is that guy the guy with the goggles? Yep. 
Dude, I love that guy. I yeah, love that guy. he is good. Um, and then in the American League, Dylan Cease of the White Sox. Uh, I think he's one of the, last year was one of the strikeout leaders. And with uh, no shift, strikeouts are going to be more important. Uh, so I think he'll win it for the AL. All right, that sounds good. Can make a couple division winner predictions or, you know, anything like that? I can do that if you want. If Brett, does Brett want to give MVP or no? I don't have enough MLB knowledge, so I'm just going to let you guys take this portion of the show. You guys can use the divisional um, leaders. I can do leaders real quick, Ryan. You can feel free to just comment in. Um, I'll start with the NL East. Uh, I think this is the best division in baseball with the top three teams. Um, I think the Phillies, in order to win the division, they obviously have to survive without Harper for half the year. And I think two keys for that is, one, Castellanos. Obviously, had a very disappointing season last year, uh, but I think he—you could tell—and he even uh, said it himself that he wasn't really comfortable or happy last year. And I think now that uh, he has a year under his belt, he'll be more comfortable and back to his regular form. As even in his past, his first year with new teams, he kind of tends to struggle, and then he's back to the uh, home run hitter and close to three hundred hitter that he usually is. And then another player for the Phillies is Bryson Stott. I think. Uh, his rookie year started off really poor, but then the second half, he was uh, very good. And I think as a starting second baseman, uh, he could bring some uh, big at-bats at the bottom of the lineup. But I will take the Braves just because the Mets just seem to disappoint every year. Their starting pitcher, it is elite, but uh, they're pretty old, so it kind of scares me. So I'll go with the Braves to win the NL East. All right, that sounds good. That sounds Brian, good. Any uh, divisional re- leaders? What's that? I love divisional leader, dog. Uh, oh, Ryan already did them. My fault. My fault. I, I, right. I don't, I don't have anything to add. I mean, Josh, Josh gave about as much as of analysis I could have. I'm not going to try to come in here and say I know more than I do. So, you know, that sounds good to me, Josh. Sounds very good. To All me. right, I'll, I'll keep them a little short. All right, um, the NL Central. I'll do the Cardinals. Um, they added Contreras. I love that addition. Their defense is one of the tops of the league. And I'm not really sold on the Brewers. Uh, the Cubs, I think, will be better this year, but I don't think they did enough, so I'll take the Cardinals. Um, and the NL West, the Dodgers are obviously the favorites, but I, I do think the Padres will win it. Uh, I think the addition of Bogarts, as I said earlier, they'll have Tatis back after his suspension. They added guys like Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter. I think their pitching is solid enough. Um, and then the Dodgers, obviously, they lost Trey Turner and Justin Turner. Uh, they'll still be good. They added some other players like J.D. Martinez, and they're pitching still elite. But I, I think the Padres' offense is going to be one of, if not the best, in the league if they're healthy. Uh, so I have them winning the division. Uh, in the American League, uh, in the East, I have the Yankees. I really like the Blue Jays this year, um, but the Yankees' advantage of pitching is just too great. Um, I don't think we can expect Judge to repeat what he did last year, but uh, he's still going to be an MV- MVP uh, candidate, and I think the rest of the lineup will be better than last year. Uh, in the AL Central, I'll go with the Guardians. I think it's a three-way battle uh, with the Twins and the White Sox as well, but I think the Guardians, um, they pretty much brought everyone back. They're a young team. They have a uh, their top three starting pitchers are elite as well as their bullpen. Uh, and Ramirez, I think, has another MVP caliber season, so I'll take the Guardians. 
And then in the AL West, I think the best team in baseball, the Astros. I really love the Mariners and think they're a playoff team, but I just don't see how they're better than Houston. I mean, Houston got even better by adding Abreu for one of the best offenses in the league. They have elite pitchers in the bullpen and starting, so I'll take the Astros. All right. So now we're going to move on to some NCAA. Let's um, go. some Some of those topics. Who are you guys' sleepers and dark horses for uh, this season? Before before we do that, I think it might be easier if we start off with the top 16, just so we don't have All any... Right. You, you can go do that. that. Okay, right. so on Saturday... Well, I, I get, before I say that, like if anyone doesn't know, about four years ago, the NCAA selection committee started doing something where about three, three weeks before Selection Sunday, they come out with their top 16... Uh, so top four seeds in each of the four regions. So it kind of gives, first of all, it gives people a, you know, kind of a first look at the criteria that the committee is valuing for that certain year to seed teams. And it also just kind of gives people, you know, more casual fans a look at who some of the best teams are in the nation this year. So I'm going to read off just the top four seeds real quick. And then we can each give, you know, one or two teams that we like out of this group, or maybe one or two teams that we don't like. So the one seeds were Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. For two seeds, we had Texas, Arizona, Baylor, and UCLA. Three seeds, we had Tennessee, Virginia, Iowa State, and Kansas State. And then for four seeds, we had Indiana, Marquette, Gonzaga, and Xavier. So those were the top four preliminary seeds. Obviously, a lot can change in three weeks. But just from looking at this original group, I would have to say the teams I like most are going to be Alabama, Kansas, and I'm a big fan actually this year of uh, Arizona. I think they have a very deep team. So I think those are kind of like my three preliminary national title favorites. Houston's obviously going to be up there too. I'm not a big fan of Purdue, but I won't talk about that too much in this episode. I'll get into that as March Madness comes closer. But uh, Josh or Brett, who do you guys think, you know, is kind of your favorites as we come closer to March. Uh, once again, I don't know enough about college basketball. I need to educate myself, so I'm going to let Josh go with this one. Yeah, uh, I like, as the one seeds, I like Houston and Kansas. Um, and then two teams that I thought were overranked was Indiana. I think they were 13th. Uh, I just don't see it. Uh, and then Iowa State, obviously they're going to – they fell after this came out on Saturday. Uh, they lost big to Texas last night. Um, but Iowa State, they're really good at home, but very different team on the road, and that's obviously you're going to be at a neutral site in the tournament. Uh, and then some teams that I thought should have been higher, uh, Miami wasn't even in the top 16. They probably would be now. Um, and then Creighton, who wasn't in the top 16, but I think they're right there with Xavier, who was the 16. I think you could argue they could have been in over them. Yeah, I completely agree with your take on Iowa State. Um, you know, if you know me, you know that the last couple of years I've been picking a 14 over 3 just because I think it's so due. It hasn't happened in a while. We've had some 15 over 2s, 13 over 4s. We haven't had a 14 over 3 in a while. If those were the top 16 seeds on Selection Sunday, I would absolutely be picking a 14 over Iowa State just because, like Josh said, Iowa State's, like, you know, kind of strength comes at home. They're not going to be at home in the tournament. 
we've seen that a lot of teams in the past who are dominant at home but struggle away from home get upset early. So, I um, mean, after losing Tyrese Hunter, they have a less experienced backcourt. They're kind of a group of transfers that were thrown together. Um, their coach is phenomenal, by the way. TJ Otzelberger, who came from one of the Dakotas, either South Dakota or North Dakota State. He's a phenomenal coach. Iowa State wasn't even expected to be in the tournament this year. He has them wildly overperforming, but I think they're due for an upset. Um, they're just one of the teams in the top 16 that I'm not extremely high on. And another team, again, I said I'll get into Purdue in another episode, which I will. So another team I'm going to pick to be early outs, Tennessee. Um, they get, it feels like they get upset early every single year, regardless of their team. I can't really remember when the last time they made the Elite Eight was. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a major voice right now. Yeah, the past, like, a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Looking past those voice cracks, which is more on Tennessee. Tennessee, um, I would say Tennessee is due for a second-round upset. Even when they had Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield in 2019, they couldn't get to the Elite Eight. And I see a lot of people still high on them, even after their recent slump. So I'm going to say Tennessee and Iowa State are my favorites to get upset early. And then two dark horses I have. Uh, one's Miami, like Josh said, very experienced. Isaiah Wong in the backcourt. Um, Nigel Pack is very good. And then Norchad Omier, sophomore transfer from Arkansas State, has been dominant in the paint this year. Um, he really only started playing basketball when he was like 16 or 17 years old. But it doesn't look like that. He's averaging a double-double. I think those three guys are just going to put the team on their back um, and get them maybe all the way to the final four. Obviously, depends on matchups. Um, and then my second dark horse is going to be, I'm probably going to end up saying Rutgers just because their defense is so good. And that goes a long way in March Madness, having the elite defense. And they almost made it to the Sweet 16 two years ago before losing a heartbreaker to Houston. And there's some guys left from that team who are definitely going to be looking for revenge, like Caleb McConnell, Paul Mulcahy, Cliff O'Maroyi. There's three guys, actually, that are starting now who are left and played in that game, played significant minutes. So they're experienced, really good at defense, experienced backcourt, I think, could take them a long way. All right. I just yeah. want to add one thing real quick. Uh, TCU, okay. I don't think they're like elite by any means, but they've definitely fell since Mike Miles was hurt. But he's back now, and I would expect to see them climb up a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, they almost upset uh, Arizona last year, 8 over 1. So they're definitely, they brought almost everyone back from that team. They're definitely a sleeper. I think All that's right, about um, uh, college basketball today. I just can't wait for uh, March Madness, even though I don't really know too much about the uh, the teams. I'll eventually educate myself, but you guys think this is a, a good place to stop? I think so. Um, I think the episode that we have coming up in, what is it, two, three weeks from now is going to be the day before the first opening round of March Madness. I think that episode is going to be us just completely going through the bracket and making our picks, so look out for that. I'm oh, really yeah. excited for it. So I think it's a good place to stop, but a lot of things to look forward to in the coming weeks. Oh, yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'll see you guys next week. Peace.